This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you. Ben Gessling is off this week and Judd Zolgad is down in Florida enjoying the warm weather and some spring training baseball. So I am here with you and joining me is one of my favorite follows on Twitter and a very good writer and football analyst from inside the pylon and scouting academy, Brandon Thorne. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, enjoying the off season. I know for me, I reached that point where I was writing about whether the Vikings would use a fullback next year, which it kind of hit me like, I really need somebody to get traded or something now because I've gotten to the fullback portion of the off season. Yeah, that that's interesting. You say fullback. That's actually, you know, kind of like the world I live in offensive line, fullback, tight end blocking type of area where it's kind of dark and, you know, not a lot of light is shown on those areas, but you know, it's just another part of football that I enjoy and, you know, fullback, uh, this year, actually, we saw a lot of fullback play, which was encouraging, in my opinion. I, I really enjoy the eye formation, strong eye, weak eye. You know, I, I enjoy that stuff, you know, as an offensive line guy. Well, I will admit uh, that I go back to some of the great fullbacks, like your Sam Gashes of the world. And uh, I did, oh, I did man, love... Lorenzo Neal. Yes, exactly. So I, I grew up with that kind of football. So I do enjoy that. Uh, type of player maybe uh minnesotans would like jerome felton as well was one of the best for uh for right. quite a long time so much appreciation to the fullback i just mean that you know <laughs> i could use some other things uh going on but the reason you. you alluded I to the you. reason that uh, i wanted to bring you on brandon which is to talk about yeah. the offensive line and you're doing a piece about tj clemmings and i want to talk to you about that and what the Vikings solution should be with a, a bunch of different 
tentacles off the conversation, but let's start with Clemmings because I think the uh, consensus in Minnesota and beyond is that TJ Clemmings is not capable of being a left tackle really in the NFL, maybe from the way he played last year, pro football focus ratings had him as I believe 78th out of 79 in the entire league. And he had a tough time. There were plenty of uh, blow buys with him, free shots at Sam Bradford times where Mike Zimmer said that he had a few plays per game where he looked like he didn't know what he was doing more or less. No, it wasn't, wasn't great reviews, but from your eye, you say that there is some potential there. Maybe you can explain. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the reason my main motivation for saying that and for doing the article really is a week 10 game this season. Um, I looked it up just to double check. I'm in the process now of gathering kind of the, 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 the specifics, but week 10 against the Redskins, he played at right tackle and it was probably the best game I had personally ever seen him play. You know, I don't watch every one of his games by any means, but, you know, I kind of have a general idea of how he plays. I talked to him actually quite a bit with uh, Duke Mannyweather. You know, me and him converse back and forth throughout the year about guys and talked many times about Clemmings. And, um, you know, we both kind of see the same things, at least physically. You know, physical traits are an aspect of the position. And when you look at his, they're pretty darn good. Um, you know, he's he's kind of in that new mold of the offensive tackle physically, you know, six, five, three Oh nine. He's lean for his, he's a lean three Oh nine. Um, very well put together. He has 35 and one eighth inch arms, you know, big hands. I mean, he's just a big athletic guy. When you look at him in terms of both the combine, but also in terms of just on the field, I mean, you could, I could see it, you know, I mean, the same as I would anybody else with those type of physical traits, but, you know, what he does with his hands, uh, strike zone recognition and pass protection, the nuance of the position, because it's such a learned position, it's a um, very unnatural position. Um, you don't, you know, walk out of the womb and be able to play offensive line. You can have the physical traits, but mm -hmm. it's very, you're moving backwards and using your hands and understanding leverage and angles and stuff like that doesn't come naturally to a lot of guys and um, you know, sometimes guys struggle with that. Well, I'd say oftentimes guys struggle with that the most, and he has clearly struggled with those finer aspects of the position. And it's hard to say if he'll ever get it, but I do think in that week 10 game at right tackle, you could start to see it. And if they're, you know, I just personally think he's a right tackle based on that because that's the best I've ever seen him. So why not just allow him to build something there at right tackle after that game? You know, that's, that's kind of where I'm, you yeah. know, the disconnect comes. Yeah. And the, the issue there is that uh, Jake Long got hurt in that game, ending his season. And they probably mm. felt like Jeremiah Searles couldn't play the left tackle. Now the, the interesting thing was Alex gotcha. Boone offered, he went to the coaching staff and offered to I remember hearing move, that. Yeah. Move over to left tackle, which I thought was a, an interesting idea because he's, He's very tall, and he does pretty well in pass protection, I think, uh, as a he has guard. experience but, there as well. Yeah, right, exactly. He played it there at Ohio State and a little bit early in his career. So I thought that that would have been a better idea than leaving Sam Bradford's blindside to TJ Clemmings. But so my question is, though, <laughs> that – and, I mean, I, I agree with you from – I've watched tape of every single Vikings game 
And there are times where he looks great, even through stretches of games where right. Sam Bradford was getting his protection and Clemmings was doing a, a nice job. And then there's just those breakdowns, especially when it comes to lunging at edge rushers. Uh, that seems to be the major issue. Is there a way to solve something like that? Or could I make a comparison between a wide receiver who is tall, fast, and gets the position but can't catch the ball? Yeah, that that's an interesting um, way to compare the two for sure. I, I'm not sure that I would say that necessarily. I, you know, I refer to that, you know, with him. I mean, typically it starts from the ground up, you know, in any physical movement on the football field. If if you see a lunge, that's typically the symptom, not the cause. And you know, with lunges, you oftentimes have to look at their feet and determine, you know, are they balanced? Like, what, what's happening there? What's happening in the lower half? And that's what I'm trying to kind of ascertain now by watching this film. I'm kind of going back now and, and trying to actually watch his tape so I can get an idea of, you know, different, you know, varying points of the season and kind of how he's looked. Cause I really don't know. I just saw that week 10 game and a couple other games here and there. So I'm just kind of all over the place, but that week 10 game was impressive, you know, considering what I, what I had known about him prior to that. And, you know, I watched him a little bit at Pitt, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm just, I just kind of want to explore that, I guess, and just kind of see where it goes. But I think there's something there to at least say to give him just, not that I'm trying to defend him, but just defend, you know, the position of the player, you know, because I do think that there's context around that, that, you know, oftentimes doesn't get mentioned or, over, you know, just gets overlooked. And there, there's some positive there. And that's kind of, I like finding those things and highlighting them. Yeah, I'm interested in your opinion on how long it takes a player who is more of a developmental prospect as opposed to a finished product as soon as he comes out. I mean, there are guys, uh, you know, who are drafted high and they're put right into their position and, you know, sometimes they sink or swim, but maybe a year or two into their career, it's like they got it and they've taken off and they're going to make $10 million a year. Right. Uh, but that's not the case with a lot of guys. I mean, you look around the league and there are a lot of players who are drafted in the fourth or fifth round who then later become quite good. So I'm sure that part of your answer is going to be, well, it's different for everybody, but in general, is it a position left tackle, I guess if you consider would Clemmings maybe a right tackle eventually mm -hmm. too. Would, would you say that it's a position that takes longer than others to develop? I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking about how I should approach where I look at some of the offensive linemen that the Vikings have. Willie Beavers is another one you know, that was drafted later on and didn't show a whole heck of a lot. In fact, got cut in training camp. But should I be saying... Uh, let's let's wait and see on some of these guys, and maybe if they were on the bench for a year or two, there might be some potential there. Or should I be saying, well, we're getting to the point where we should know or not? You know, that's certainly it could be a loaded question, you know, but I'll try to break it down because I love that question because I, I think um, you definitely have to look at where they're coming from in terms of their college. So, okay, what 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 sort of offense are they running? What sort of uh, run scheme do they use? what sort of blocks are being asked, you know, to be, to be executed by the player. And then like, you know, just those type of things um, are typically a good indicator of how they will 
you know, do early on in their career. That's why we typically see Wisconsin, Alabama, Stanford, Michigan, you know, Big Ten schools, stuff like that, produce these offensive linemen just because they're, like, you know, just alluded to earlier about how it's a learned skill. It's so unnatural. It takes time. It takes continuity. It takes all those things. And if you don't have that in a and, and, and if you're not asked to do pro concepts, then it's very difficult when you get to the pro level and everybody's so much faster. I mean, it could just, you know, compound and get ugly really quick. And, you know, so as far as correcting that, I, I don't know a whole lot about the Vikings offensive line coach about, you know, their, their environment there, but I, you know, I, as far as who's picking the offensive linemen, their, their talent evaluators, their, their scouts, their offensive line, evaluation skills you know those things might come into question a little bit I I, I don't want to do that but you know I mean you look at Matt Khalil you look at Willie Beavers you look at TJ Clemmings so is it a scouting issue is it a coaching issue um or and then also of course the player you know what, what what's the issues with him so I, I gotta look at Clemmings situation and and look at those outside factors and wonder you know what I mean like kind of what what's going on you know yeah. Well, speaking of that, yeah, I mean, the overall failure of the offensive line this year in part was, I think, because of a lack of continuity. Even if you don't have the most talented five guys, if you give them the entire season together, I think they'll perform better than the same level of talent shuffled in and out. This player Definitely. moving over there, that guy moving over mm-hmm. there, injury, injury, right? How much of a role do you think that that played that that could play on, on every individual or even a young player. I mean, with Clemmings, a lot of times it was just guys going around him. Uh, I mean, not even getting touched many times with the edge rushers. But for the offensive line, I guess at large, as we look to this offseason and how to potentially fix all these issues, uh, I'm wondering how much that could affect individual performances when you don't you know, know I, the guy I next to you. I think that it can affect you quite a bit, you know, depending on the player, of course. I mean, if you're a very confident player, it may not affect you very much. But if you're a guy who's trying to find his way, like TJ Clemmings is, I mean, that, you know, I would, you know, safely assume, I think, that, you know, it's probably affecting him a great deal. I mean, you know, to have a veteran presence next to you in in a fight, I mean, essentially, is that's what it is. I mean, that that's a comforting thing. You know, and 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 knowing who is next to you, you know, knowing what they're going to do, how they're going to react, that can allow you to play off of that. You know, it could allow you to take a pass set and know your insides covered because you know the guy next to you, and you could play and you know basically cut off the outside, focus on the outside a little bit more, and things like that. I think can really make a big difference. You know, depending on the player. You know, and I'm interested to kind of watch that as I you know go along in the film for sure. Well, that was certainly uh, one of the issues. I don't, I don't think it's really debatable that they didn't have uh, the Vikings didn't have five guys ever really playing uh, at the same positions. It seemed like even players like Joe Berger, who was a really good center in my mind this year, ended up having to play guard, which is something I want to ask you about as we talk about the Vikings approach to the offseason, because I think what fans want them to do, and it might not be wrong, is to take all of their money and put it in a giant truck and drive it to the best free agent's house and park it outside. Whether it's Rick Wagner or Andrew Whitworth or whichever tackle, whoever you can get, 
just pay them all the money in the world, which is maybe the right approach with a team that has been building its defense for a long time (laughs) and uh, has a competent quarterback and wants to win now. But spending that money has to go to the right places. They release Brandon Fusco's guard. There are some good guards like TJ Lang, uh, Kevin Zeitler, who are out there on the free agent market. But it's been my thought, Brandon, that they could reasonably move Berger to center full-time next season to fill that spot and throw those Brinks trucks at the tackles. I'm wondering about uh, the difficulty of something like that, of uh, playing center full-time versus playing guard full-time, and also replacing a center. Like, Do you think that they could draft a center in the second round and that's an easier position to plug and play than say a guard or a tackle. Um, I guess it depends on what they're asked to do. You know, some centers are asked to make all the calls and then other teams, the quarterback does that, you know, some teams it's a mix. So, you know, I think that's a factor to put to factor in as for, for sure. I haven't watched a, a whole lot of the Vikings offensive line yet, but I, so I can't really say, how much responsibility uh, Berger, I guess, who played center for you guys typically had. But if you're going to try to put a guy from guard over there and they haven't made any calls that, you know, mentally it could be an adjustment. And if you're thinking the physical obviously can suffer, so it can make you actually look pretty uncomfortable, you know, and, and um, things like that. But it just depends, I guess, on, you know, the, the player, his mental capacity, and then his experience doing, you know, uh, being more involved mentally in the game because guys aren't there. You know, I know like Alan Fanico mm-hmm. with the Steelers, he, he made all the protection calls when Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie, but like stuff like that's rare. You know, typically it's the center. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. that's initially kind of a big factor I would look at. So when it comes to paying guards lots of cash, is that a good idea? Um I know that there are some guards who are making, in terms of annual a- average value, somewhere in the range of $10 million, which seems like a lot for the guard position. The Vikings want to obviously increase their yards per carry when it comes to the run game. They were the worst in the NFL last year. Uh, and there's some guys who, who you could pay. But the thing that comes to mind for me a little bit is I, I feel like the guard is a little more replaceable than the tackle that there are X number of great tackles and that's it. And you rarely get your hands on a good one. And when you get your, it's like a quarterback, when you get your hands on a good one, you never let him move. Uh, But with the guards, I think that there are opportunities maybe to find guys that are not $10 million players who could be reasonably good. Um, Do you agree with that statement or am I a little goofy here? Um, No, I, I could definitely see how that makes sense. Um, you know, for sure. I mean, I think that thinking naturally comes from offensive tackles being they're they're in space more than offensive guards. So naturally, they have to be more athletic. They have to be longer and taller. So those human beings just exist in fewer numbers than the you know than an offensive guard's body type and their ability. So naturally, yes, I do agree that there is less offensive tackle talent and offensive guard talent in football in general just because of the amount of space but at the same time I do think that if you have a really good guard there's a lot if you have a really good player at any position I think that there's a lot of value in it you know relative you know it's all relative you know to the other positions but in my mind you know like you look at the Raiders with you know they signed 
Kaleche Osemele this year, and it took their whole offense to another level. I mean, they had, you know, they basically had the same players on the offensive line. You know, Gabe Jackson moved positions, you know, for this to occur. Um, and, you know, KO took over at left guard and just their whole mentality, everything, you know, granted they have, you know, good young players on the team, but I think that did a lot for them. And I'm not, you know, KO is a very special player, so I don't want to say that any guard can do that. Um, but I do think that there are a couple really good guards, like upper echelon guards right now in the free agent pool. Um, TJ Lang and Kevin Zeitler, in my opinion, are the top two guys you know, and then Ronald Leary and Larry Warford are right there. Um, I actually, I think those four guys are probably four of the five best free agent offensive linemen of any position. Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast, where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. Um, as far as tackles go. So what, what's your thought on um, Riley Reef? Because uh, he intrigues me a little bit with the fact that he was moved from left tackle to right tackle. And if the Vikings are looking for a guy that's not named Andrew Whitworth, who let's let's just say ends up back with Cincinnati because they I don't know offer him fifteen million dollars a year or something like that. It's kind of he said the other day that you know he might hit the market. It intrigues him, but you know how these things go. He's been there. His family's always been there. So let's just say he stays. The next best tackle after that, it's kind of like all right. Well, who is it? You know, and Reef comes to mind for me as a guy who was moved to right tackle, so his value goes down a little bit. But if the Vikings are looking to just get to average, which would be a major upgrade, it'd be like going from hitting 190 in baseball to hitting 250. Still a lot more hits, right? That's that's how I look at him from seeing him in a couple of games against the Vikings. I didn't think, oh, this guy's Orlando Pace and just put him in the Hall of Fame. But I thought at the price, he might be one that's worth plugging in there to get average play. Yeah, I'd, I'd even say you could get above average play from Riley Reef. He dealt with some injuries this year, and um, I actually thought he was had a pretty good first half. Um, so yeah, I, I think Reef would probably be that next guy. But however, I'm I'm very intrigued by uh, Ty Neschke uh, from the Redskins. He's a restricted free agent mm-hmm. though, um, so it's a little complicated there. He'll be 31 week one of 2017. So interesting there, but he's a very young 31. Um, in terms of NFL experience, and I think that he's going to get probably a little bit better. I mean, he's already – I think he's hes a good left tackle in the NFL. I mean, based on how he replaced Trent Williams this year, he, he's a good left tackle. So in terms of left tackles, he'd definitely be number two. Uh, I think Riley Reef is the number one right tackle. Below him, I'd probably put Mike Remmers. Um, that's a guy that I think is underrated. You like those guys better than – sorry, you like those guys better than Wagner? 
Um, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of Wagner, but yeah, the little I've seen, I, I definitely, I definitely like them better. Well, that's interesting. I mean, when it comes to a guy like that with the Ravens, who I didn't see play this year at all, so I wouldn't have watched a, a lot of tape on him other than uh, just running through a game here or there when I'm writing about him, that uh, it, it seems like he was a guy that wasn't thought of as one of the better players at his position. And then this year he got a really good pro football focus score, which feel free to comment on what you think about using those and things like that. Um but that's kind of pushed his name up, I think, uh, as more people become aware of those scores and things like that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I don't really pay attention to many scores out, you know, in terms of like scouting evaluation stuff. So I, I don't know, but um, you know that I do think that if I now that I know that I, I do want to watch him more. Um, you know, I unfortunately I I really would love to be able to watch more guys, but I you know I, there's a limit. I'm not pro football focused, obviously. I can't, I'm not a team. So I, Wagner's a guy that I've probably seen 40 snaps on this year. So, cause I watched a lot of Ronnie Stanley, um, who I'm a big fan of, but, but yeah, so uh, that's, that could very well be, but I think this, I have seen a lot of Mike Remmers and uh, quite a bit of Riley Reef, And I think Remmers at right tackle is a guy that you can win with. I think, um, you know, he's limited in his pass protection, but he got better at right tackle as he was playing it, and then he got moved to left tackle, and that stressed him out. As far, it stressed his, like, physical capabilities, I think, out too much, and it made him look worse than he did at right. So now I think everybody thinks that Remmers is like this clearly below average player which i think he is at left tackle but i think at right tackle he's more of an average guy um that you can win with you know he's functional so i don't know i, I think that that's kind of how i feel about Remmers. um uh and then like i said neshke and then uh riley reef but riley reef is a guy i really like i mean um especially a right tackle you know he i think his game went to the next level when he moved to the right side you know that you know i just hmm. I, I think he's more comfortable there so Kind of like Brian Balaga in Green Bay. You know, he played left, but he's at right tackle. That guy's just, I'm not saying he's him, but it's a similar dynamic. I think they just, they're a little bit better at right. On the uh, pro football focus thing real quick, the way that I look at it is kind of how you phrased it a little bit, which would be look at the grades, and then if something stands out to you, you go find out why the grade might be. Uh, mm-hmm. ex- example for you would be Terrence Newman was graded higher than Xavier Rhodes this year, which is bananas. Like Xavier Rhodes moved his name into the elite corners where Terrence Newman was, as you said about the offensive lineman functional, good at, good at his job, got a lot of help on his side while Rhodes was being the shutdown guy. So mm-hmm. Rhodes is facing the number one wide receivers all the time, every night in and out. And so you could see how his grade might be a little worse when he's facing Odell Beckham right. and Terrence Newman is, is playing a role. Also Xavier Rhodes played way more snaps and, and so on and so on and so on. So right. I, I think that's, the, that's the way that I like to look at it because I know I noticed that uh, Brian Robison was commenting about it today on Twitter and I've seen other athletes too. And they, I think they think that anybody who uses the grade in some sort of capacity automatically just says well that's just the truth and instead it's trying to put context around what that is uh if it's a taylor lewan who gets a great grade this year 
maybe he's getting a lot of help. Maybe they're putting a tight end over there all the time. Maybe he's getting a chip from the running back all the time. Maybe they're moving him a lot. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's just like you can figure all these things out by doing a little more legwork. That's just that's kind of my my little rant there, if, if that's oh. okay with you. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, man. I mean, I totally agree. I think anytime you have a team of, like, dedicated people, like Pro Football Focus clearly is, you know, whether you agree with their results and their findings or not, I mean, you know, I, I think that there's some sort of credibility there to where I could look at it and – just get a gauge on a guy and try not to let it mean much else to me at all, because I, I really don't like, you know, if, if it's a guy that I have watched on my own already, I, I won't even look at the pro football focus grade, to be honest with you. I just don't even, you know, I just won't. Cause I, I feel like then it might cloud some things that I see, you know, cause if I, if I watch enough games of a guy, I feel comfortable enough to put my own grade on my own kind of thoughts. But if I don't know anything about a guy like Wagner, I'll go to pro football focus or something or bleacher report, especially, you know, their offensive tackle and offensive line grades. I I'm a big proponent of, cause I know who's doing them. Um, and I know what they're mm-hmm. looking at and things like that. So, you know, things like that, I think have value, like you said, but it, it's just within context, you know, you just gotta, I think it can't be your, your kind of guiding force. You know, it has to be the film. That's, that's basically what it has to be in my opinion. Right, exactly. And you know, the way that I used it this year was to kind of get just a a basic outline of how certain guys were playing that were Vikings opponents. My head ends up getting buried in Vikings so much that, you know, like, right. oh, okay, well here's the Bears. Like, what's going on with the Bears? I mean, you know, so okay, all right. right. Pernell McPhee is a guy that's gotten some good grades in the past. His sack numbers aren't unbelievable. Like Let's go look at the film and see what we can see on him. And then, you know, here he is getting a lot of pressure. It's a jumping off point, basically. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, anyway, earlier I kind of said, all right, let's just assume Andrew Whitworth is off the table. Well, let's assume he's on the table for potentially for the Vikings, who, by the way, you mentioned Bleacher Report. Uh, I was going through some of their like top five rankings and things like that, free agents, and every single offensive lineman is like potential target, you know, or potential team Vikings. <laughs> and it's right. They're not wrong about that. I mean, the Vikings should be looking at everything they can. It just made me laugh. Cause it's like, that's right, man. They definitely need to be looking at everyone. 35 right. years old though, that Andrew Whitworth And the same goes for a guy who's potentially on the trading block, which is Jason Peters. That age, what do you think about how tackles age? Uh, To me, I don't mean to answer the question for you, but to me, it's like they're good, they're good, they're good, they're great, and then they can just hit a wall. And then that's it. And I'm thinking of Brandon Albert here for that. Like, just hit the wall, and now you can't play anymore. Uh, I think that would be a big concern if you were throwing $30 million over two years at Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about Albert totally and, and just that kind of, I mean, I think generally, like with quarterbacks, we've seen that and maybe some other positions, you know, running back, I think is a big one where guys could just fall off a cliff. But um, I don't know. I mean, I just think you really just look at the film on the individual player and see, is there any signs? You know, I, I don't think, I, th- I think that there will be, there, there will be signs on the film, you know, in some way, there will be some sort of decline. I, I can't imagine a guy just, you know, because Whitworth was solid this year. He was very good in 2015. 
So it could be there. You know, this could be his new normal, which is just, I'd say, above average to good. And he still has some very good traits. I mean, he's very consistent. That's the thing with Whitworth. He's very consistent and he's well-rounded in the pass and the run game. So he's just very steady. So that kind of guy, you know, with with the technique and the, the refinement that he has, I could definitely see him having another two years like he did you know, this year or maybe even closer to last year. I, I don't, I don't rule that out completely. I, you know, I don't know how well he takes care of himself. I'm I'm not, not saying he doesn't, but you know, those things factor into it as well. There's so many things that I try to think about, you know, some that I can't measure. So it's tough, but as far as Whitworth, I would be comfortable. I don't know about 30 million. I mean, that, that does sound, I guess, you know, maybe like a, a lot, especially at 35, but for a lower price, he would be somebody I'd really want on my team, especially as in the Vikings position, because if you're going to keep TJ Clemmings, I'd keep him at right and, you know, get, get a stopgap uh, LT in there and then draft somebody and try to develop behind him. Well, I mean, in terms of throwing a lot of money at him for a two-year stopgap, I, I mean, that's an idea that I've been behind myself, especially I think it always matters where your franchise stands. This is a team that thinks that it, it can be legitimately competitive if they didn't, then I would say, all right, well, you know, just draft one with your first pick and see what happens. Yeah, uh, for sure. But in the case that you think with your yep. defense and a lot of players in their prime that you can win, uh, I don't think it's crazy to overpay for a guy, especially if you have a lot of cap room, which assuming the Vikings don't pay Adrian Peterson $18 million, they will have a lot of cap room to work with. So you can kind of make a, a little bit of a silly deal and still have it make a lot of sense. Uh, last kind of player that I wanted to ask you about was Matt Khalil. And uh, that's been another idea thrown out there, which would be to sign someone like Riley Reef at the right tackle position and bring Khalil back on a kind of safe contract or a prove it contract, like maybe a one year deal with high money or something like that. Uh, but what do you have an opinion on what happened in terms of his fall off or where he might stand now? I know that he, didn't put a lot on tape last year when he played, he had a hip injury and it wasn't very good, but just in general, I mean, it's pretty noticeable how far he's fallen off since his first year, bringing him back and that idea that he could ever get back to year one. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, you know, I think that he's probably young enough, you know, to still have a, a pretty good window there where he can turn things around and develop into a solid guy from, from the little I've seen, I'll add that caveat in there. I mean, I haven't seen very much of him. I probably this year, you know, obviously he didn't play a whole lot, but in the last couple of years, I've watched a handful of his games and kind of looked at him, you know, among the other offensive linemen, not just really solely studied him. So I can't speak too much into his skill set or, or lack thereof or whatever. But I, I do think that from what I've seen, you know, he's a guy that, like you said, I think it'd have to be a safe deal or like just kind of a a short term, like two to three year deal, safe deal, where you just kind of see if he could turn it around. And, but if, if you have, it's all about the situation for him. I mean, if what I'm kind of thinking is more of a position where he goes somewhere where he could be kind of a, either the sixth, you know, the sixth offensive lineman, something like that, where he could just kind of get in, maybe even move positions or stay at the same position and play next to a really good, like elite type left guard and, you know, have a really good offensive line coach, that type of stuff. I, with that environment, I think that he is somebody who could be a solid guy who could probably start for you and be serviceable. That's kind of how I look at Matt Khalil. And 
that's certainly not what you wanted when you drafted him, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And that may end up being one of the better options for the Vikings because uh, as far as I know, my understanding is Khalil lives here and he owns pizza shops here. And like, he would probably be interested in staying in Minnesota if he could, because he's kind of put down his roots when you get drafted that high and, you know, whatever you probably think this is going to be a place you're going to be for a really long time. So I I like it as an option, as long as you have a parachute there, as long as there's somebody else behind him that, you know, can play a little because last year it was like when he, when he went down, he was not playing well, but he was playing a lot better than TJ Clemmings was. So maybe he could have given you below average play and you still would have had a much better situation there. Um, but when he went down, it was like, all right, well, this really raw player has to go in there, and all of a sudden, hey, guess what? You've got to handle Whitney Merciless and uh, Jadavion Clowney in your first week starting or whatever, whatever, whichever it was, second, third week. And I think yeah. before that was Olivier Vernon, and it was like a murderer's row. Brandon Graham came through against him. I think uh, it was just like one great edge rusher after the next was, was going up against him. So it was a tough situation. Last question for you, Brandon. This has been great. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, Same here. When when fans watch offensive lines, for me, it's extremely difficult on TV outside of when the left tackle gets beat. (laughs) When the left tackle gets beat, you can see it all the way, and and you're yelling, (laughs) no, and then Sam Bradford's head pops off. Um, Yeah. What, what should fans look for when they're watching on TV? Because I, I need the coaches film to have any idea what's going on, how the offensive line is, is blocking in terms of scheme, which I, I actually thought toward the end of the year, the Vikings did a much better job moving Sam Bradford around play action, uh, things like that. The offensive line in play action is, a, is I don't know if it's a, is it, is it a bigger deal than the running back? It probably is. Like, I mean, that, that seems to be what freezes the defense more is how the offensive line is blocking. So I think they adjusted a little bit uh, as they went along, and you could see that on the tape, but you couldn't really see that on, on TV. So when people are trying to watch and looking for it as they grade the offensive line uh, next year, because Vikings fans are like that, mm-hmm. Brandon, don't worry. <laughs> they will be paying attention to every detail. I, I wouldn't be interviewing you about Ronald Leary <laughs> if I didn't think there was a – a reason, you know, that fans would know it. So anyway, um, what do you think about that? Watching offensive lines and studying them and getting an idea of who's good, who isn't? Yeah, that's that's a good question. For me, live TV doesn't have a lot of value if you're trying to gauge offensive line play. I mean, it just doesn't. Um, you know, you could gauge some generalities and things like that of individuals and how the game's going just by watching the game. But in terms of breaking down the whole offensive line play for me, I need to watch the individuals, you know, first, and then I can get a better idea of how the team or how the unit played. And um, for me, when I watch TV, if I'm, if I'm watching the offensive line, I'm trying to just watch one guy for an extended period of time and trying to just gauge if he wins, if he's winner winning or losing his reps. And then once you could kind of just establish that just by watching the plays unfold, you, you break down their skill set and you, you get a trait in your head, say like use of hands in pass protection. I want to see how this guy uses his hands in pass protection. You know um, you want to look at their base for sure. You want to see the staggering of their feet. Are they playing on their toes, their heels, their weight distribution, 
things like that, you know, in pass protection, that all is going to help you gauge how they use their hands. Um, so I just try to pick up little cues like that on live games, but really where, where I think <clears throat> the determine the real determinations are made is if, is when you have the, uh, end zone copy of the coach's tape, you know, because then you see everything mm-hmm. you simply cannot see everything from the sideline view, which is the TV view, you know, you're just going to miss stuff. So yeah, you could try to, you know, gauge as much as you want, but until you see that coach's tape, that's when you can see footwork and you could see things unfold. And, um, <clears throat> and then as far as once you have that, you know, which everybody has access to, which is awesome, you know, NFL game pass. I mean, that's when you could really start, getting into the intricacies and the nuance i think you know when you're in that position uh as we would say on the station if you're very football then you will do it then you will look at the uh coach's film to be the most football that you could be um before i let you go brandon how about you well first of all you're on twitter at veteran scout which refers to your military experience which i think is cool appreciate your appreciate your service on that uh also but tell me about scouting academy yeah, so Scouting Academy, I'm the football content manager there. Dan Hatman, the founder and director of the Scouting Academy, brought me on about six, seven months ago to kind of help further the, the Scouting Academy brand. And that's basically what I've been doing in that time. So, you know, a lot of the cool videos, at least I think they're cool when I make them, that I go on Scouting Academy's Twitter, you know, I, I find those and kind of, you know, edit those up and just try to, you know, showcase traits from various positions and just try to give, you know, the, the people an idea of, you know, kind of what we teach, what we look at when we're scouting off, you know, offensive line or any position really, because I do all positions on there. So it helps me as a scout, but it's also helping Dan and the, and the company. And it's a company I believe in. It's, it's a company that I did two semesters with as a student, um, you know, got to go to their live senior bowl classroom last year. And then this year I got to go on behalf of the scouting Academy to put on the live classroom that they host down there yearly at, in a mobile. So, um, it's been just a great opportunity for me. Dan has been somebody who's mentored me from day one, two years ago, almost three years ago when I got out of the military to do this, he kind of right away saw something and, he's very good about that with a lot of people. So I'm not the only one, but yeah. So Dan's, Dan's been great. And um, yeah, that's kind of what I do with the scouting Academy. It's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of company. I believe in like that. So it's, and the same thing with inside the pylon, just great groups of guys for sure. Well, it's been uh, great to have you great to get your perspective on a lot of these things. And uh, I will be interested to see what the reactions are from some Vikings fans about your thoughts on Clemmings. And I'm looking forward to that article as well. I will make sure. Yes. I will make sure to retweet it and send all the Viking fan followers your way uh, when it comes out. So thanks again for all your time. Appreciate it. Follow him on Twitter at veteran scout. Great follow. If you are interested in football, thanks for listening to this episode of the purple podcast. We will catch you next time. Stay tuned for 60 second AP news headlines. Whether it's Baker's simple truth, Turkey or Mac and cheese with Murray's English cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. 
Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.